This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hi, everybody. This is Amanda. And today we are here with Maroon Mogos. She is the director of events for CASA. And she is also a singer herself. She's currently singing with Vixen, an all-female group. Maroon, hi. How are you? Hi, Amanda. I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you? <laughs> Good. And it's the magic of technology. We're talking to Maroon all the way from LA. I only get to see her usually at festivals. So it's nice to catch up and chat with her now. The same here. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people are going to want to hear about your experience working for CASA and putting on these huge events, because I think to some people, it's just something that kind of magically comes together. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got into it? And then we'll get into maybe some of the details of how they all come together. Yeah, absolutely. I actually think my story is a great story for people who have no idea how to get involved in, you know, CASA or just the festival space in general. So uh, I'm originally from New York and I moved out to LA in 2012. I had started a group out in LA and, you know, as we started to get really more interested in acapella community in Los Angeles, we started to hear about the Los Angeles Festival and I was really keen on learning more about that and, and bringing my group there so we can kind of get that festival experience. So 2014 was the first festival that I actually attended last with my group and, you know, we had such a great experience and it was it was just really cool to be really kind of immersed in the community and go to classes and see these amazing professional groups and network and all of that stuff. So later in 2014, I am a member of various acapella Facebook groups, and I saw that Tom Keys, who was the executive producer of Laugh at the time, was looking for volunteers and team members for the 2015 festival. So, you know, I reached out to Tom, who I had known for a couple of years at that point, and expressed my interest and he was like, okay, uh, we'd love to have you. The only real opening we have currently is food sponsorship. And I'm like, God, what what is what the hell is food sponsorship? <laughs> that sounds terrible, but I'm a team player, so I'll do whatever you guys need me to do because I just want to be involved. So you weren't wrong. That, food sponsorship is a uh, difficult task, a more difficult task than I think people would it understand. Is. <laughs> Absolutely. It is definitely difficult trying to get different stores and companies to give you free food, essentially for all your meals for the weekend. But anyway, we so that was my job and actually went really great for my first festival role. I got all of the meals covered. Um, I ended up even getting some sponsorships, like just general sponsorships for the festival. So that actually was great. And then, you know, it was just wonderful to be really involved with the behind the scenes of a festival. So Laugh 2015 ended up being really fun for me. And I kind of like knew after that, I was like, all right, I'm in this now. I'm like, I'm really in this and I'm just going to keep doing it, you know, until, I, until I'm burned out. <laughs> it is really uh, rewarding and kind of addictive. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's it, it really is just you just feel so proud of the work you've done, especially when you see everybody having a great time and, you know, really saying, oh, my God, this was like the best festival I've ever been to and all of that stuff. It really is rewarding. So after that point, I actually started to get involved with CASA, not just the L.A. festival. So I had um, been brought on to do sponsorship for the organization as a whole. 
festival, uh, but specifically for the festival. So not just laugh, but for Boss and SoJam as well. So I did that. You know, I did that for Boss. I did that for SoJam. And that was really fun for me because now I'm talking to more people all over, all over the country, but also getting to, you know, travel to the other festivals and work with those teams. So that was kind of, it's now my role felt like it was expanding. So it was kind of, it was exciting. So anyway, later in 2015, I had learned that Tom Keys, who was the Laugh EP at the time, had decided to step down from EP. So I guess now we were looking for a new festival EP, which is obviously like a very daunting task for <laughs> for for anybody, but also for like the director of events to fill. So me being the person that I am was like, oh, I, you know, I, God, I think I can do this. <laughs> And I was Famous like, last words. Girl. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I had, you know, talked to Blair at the time and I told her that I was interested and, you know, she thought that I would do a great job. So I sort of just kind of got thrown in <laughs> to being the EP. There was really no rule book. I sort of did everything based on my memory of how Tom did things the year before. So just remembering how he led our team calls and touching base with Blair every so often just to make sure I'm, is this right? Am I doing this? Is this how things are supposed to be going? And, and anyway, so yeah, so I uh, ended up being the last executive producer for our 2016 festival. And from there, I was also, you know, I did it again in 2017. And then, was it 2018? Man, I can't even remember. The years are really <laughs> just blur. But, oh, no, no, no. It was, yeah, 2016, 2017. And then, at the end of 2017, we had learned that Blair, who is the current director of events, was stepping down. So, of course, in Maroon fashion, I was like, oh, I I wonder, <laughs> I wonder who's interested, who are the candidates, and man, I think I can do that too. <laughs> so, so I had applied for the director of events role, which, you know, essentially you are overseeing all of the festivals and any other events happening for CASA. So yeah, so then I stepped into that role in November of 2017, and I've been in the role ever since. And, you know, it's it was another one of those situations where you sort of just have to, you get kind of thrown into it, you need to figure it out as you go and really just rely on your judgment and your decision-making skills and all of that kind of stuff because essentially anything, all of the decisions that happen within a CASA festival, the director of events is the top. So everything, that role signs off on everything. So you are like literally responsible for the events. So, um, you know, it's obviously a huge responsibility, but I think uh, having been the Laugh EP for, you know, a few years prior to that, I felt really well prepared. And yeah, so I've been doing it ever since and I since taking on the role, I've also started to develop new event initiatives outside of the festival space, which has been really exciting so that we can create more events all over the country, especially in those markets and cities that either don't have a cost of presence at all or um, would just like some more professional performance opportunities. Awesome. It's really great to see how CASA is growing and actually engaging with smaller communities. So I want to go back to something that you said about how, as director of events, the decisions fall on you. The responsibility is all on you at the end of the day. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Do you have advice for people when they're thrown into that kind of position on getting to that point where you can trust yourself enough to just make a call and, and know that maybe it, it should be the right call and sometimes it's going to be the wrong call. But you've done this now and the festivals have been successful. But what kind of advice would you give to other people out there that have to get to that point? Yeah, I, I will say that I think 
experience is honestly the most important thing. Obviously, I think it's great for people who are ambitious and want to get to the next level for, for them to pursue those opportunities, but I really think they need to take a hard look and make sure that they understand what the job is and that they have the experience to do the job properly. A lot of what prepared me for becoming director of events was because I was an EP of a festival already, I already understood the producing of a festival, the planning of a festival, all of the little details that go into making it. And then with that came making decisions on a specific festival level. So having that experience, I felt like it just naturally lent itself to going to the next level because now I'm essentially doing that, but I'm doing that for three events. And of course, there are things that I had to do for the first time in my life that I have (laughs) never done before. Like... I mean, Amanda, I think you even remember I had reached out to you. I was like, we're planning to bring Mike Capella to boss and I need to figure out how to get visas. And I had to literally <laughs> file a government petition that went to like <laughs> customs and immigration and had to get approved. And it was like, when you have to deal with those sort of things that are really like, first of all, they're, they're just so crucial. They literally allow people from another nation to come into our country. Like that to me was very, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little overwhelmed <sighs> because I had no guidance. I had nobody to really go to, to tell me like what the steps were. I just did a lot of Googling, a lot of research, and I tried to be as thorough as as thorough as possible with filling out all of the information for the petition. So again, I mean, there are going to be things that like you're just not prepared for. But if you are the kind of person who, you know, has that personality where no stone goes untouched, like you just need to, that is like a big part of the job. You need to exhaust all resources. You need to feel like there is no other research that you can do. Like you've really just covered it all. And that's sort of how I approach my life, my professional career. So I just kind of did the same thing with CASA and with the director of events. And so I think just be, you know, having the experience so that you can feel confident stepping into a new role and then just making sure you go into it, really just doing your research and, you know, preparing as much as possible. The listeners at home can't see, but I'm like vigorously shaking my head at everything you said. <laughs> yeah. You did mention your professional career. You work in film and television in LA. Yes. What? I'm sure most people think that that's kind of a magical job, but what are some of the skills that kind of cross over from what you've learned as director of events or vice versa that I think a lot of people in music and acapella, that is a career option for them. So what kind of skills can you build? Yeah. So I would say I work as a producer in film and television. A lot of what I do, I mean, obviously it's different industries, but a lot of like the general idea of my job is very similar to like producing an event. So, you know, whether it's a TV show or film, you know, you are putting all of the pieces together to create a project. I mean, I won't get into all of those (laughs) details, but it's a lot of networking. It's a lot of relationships. It's a lot of outreach. You're, you know, as an event producer, you're constantly reaching out to people, whether that's to book a venue or to hire performers or to get catering or whatever it is. So I think my skills from my TV film career is just, you know, again, being on top of everything, knowing everything that's going on and pushing it forward so that you can get to your final product. It's a lot of, you know, you have to be ambitious. You have to be really scrappy too. That's a big <laughs> part of it, especially in both in both jobs that I do. Budgeting is a huge aspect of it, you know, making sure that you can reach your bottom line. And I think you learn how to negotiate. That's a big part of it as well.
well. So I actually think a lot of my professional career has those skills that I've acquired have really helped me know how to approach certain things within festivals. Yeah, the budgeting part, I don't miss that at all. I mean, I don't. It's kind of magical that Casa is able to keep these festival prices under $100 a person, knowing how much venues cost and how much it costs to get really great talent to come to these things. It's a miracle. You're a miracle worker, Maron. (laughs) It is. I also hate it. And uh, I think I just, you know, laugh about it at the end of the day, but it is quite challenging. So on top of all this, you also are still a singer. You haven't left the singing side of the acapella community and you sing with Vixen and you guys are a long distance group. Yes. And that also requires quite the special sauce to yes. make work. We've seen a lot of long distance groups pop up and then kind of fade away, but you guys have actually had some staying power. What's the experience like for you being in a long distance group? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I love Vixen. I think if it is the right group of people, you know, you will do what you can to make it work. You'll make those sacrifices and you will put it first because it can only exist with those people. And in terms of the long distance of it all, obviously, I I think in a perfect world, we would all be in the same city so that we could be rehearsing regularly and gigging regularly and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've all, you know, as we've grown older, all of us have, you know, spread out and, you know, we all used to be in New York and now we're literally all in different states all over the country from East Coast to West Coast. But we've always felt like this was a special group and we love performing with each other and our voices complement each other so well. Um, So it's been really important to us to keep it going. And, you know, of course, we're not meeting every every week. We're not meeting even every month. Uh, We probably have about four retreats every year uh, where we'll pick, you know, one of our home cities and all of us will travel there and we'll spend a three-day weekend either learning new music, obviously rehearsing, sometimes gigging, and then sometimes recording. That's sort of how we've been doing it the last couple of years and we're excited because we just had a retreat in June and and you know we're about we've actually just finished our album, you know, our long-awaited album <laughs> that we'll be releasing this fall. So I'm really excited that we finally like have something to just, it's nice to have something physical to show like the work that you've done for, you know, several years. Absolutely. And adult groups, it's hard enough to get adult groups to record. I have a studio in my house and my groups are all here. And it still takes us a really long time to record anything. I can imagine, yeah. (laughs) So going back to CASA, the events team has come up with this new concept called Local Vocal, and it brings people together in a very local area. So you get to know some people in your area. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that came about and what people can expect from it? Yeah, absolutely. The idea of this series was sort of born out of the fact that we have three major festivals in the country, but not everybody can get themselves over there. So we're trying to create create more not only performance opportunities in other parts of the country, but we're trying to create an environment and a network where people who are locally related or, or, you know, within the same region can kind of get to know each other, you know, can be aware of each other. Because I I find that a lot of times, and this is the case for, you know, all over the country, wherever you're based, a lot of the times groups are kind of, those communities are a bit fragmented. So you've got the college, you know, you may, if you go to a university, you may be only aware of all of the groups at your university, but there may be another school down the road, or there may be a lot of community groups that you're not aware of. And then also, so we we wanted to sort of be able to kind of connect all of those groups within the community. And not even just like contemporary acapella, but we're trying to bring together all styles of vocal music, whether that's, you know, barbershop or jazz or choirs, just vocalists in general, so that they can all sort of come together and start building relationships so that maybe we do a local vocal, but then in that's 
where they all kind of come together for the first time. But then after that, now that they have these relationships, they can continue to work together and support each other within that community. That was the real impetus for starting this event series. So it's been really fun so far. We've had two shows, one in Rochester and one in Chicago. We just announced our Philadelphia show. And then we're going to be rolling out shows in Orlando, in Dallas, in Denver, and then in San Francisco. So, you know, it's again, it's much smaller scale than a Casa Festival. It's just a one-day event. It's a performance showcase with anywhere from six to ten groups. And there's like a networking element kind of embedded within the night so that people can get together and kind of mix, not only with the groups, but with the attendees as well. It's a really just like fun gathering of people who enjoy vocal music, essentially, at the end of the day. And yeah, I mean, so it's much smaller scale than a festival, but we are trying to do more and more. So just the rollout of more cities requires working with more people and and working with more teams. So obviously I have festival teams, but every time we do a local vocal show, I'm now having a local team that I'm working with. The more volume we're doing these shows, the more phone calls I'm on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the phone calls. If people only knew the hours of phone calls that went into these events. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they really, I, yeah, I feel like they have no idea. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I had six acapella calls this week and I'm still <laughs> trying to like, you know, keep my professional job alive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I look back at when I was doing your job and I, Facebook will remind me that I had three major festival calls in one day and I'm pretty sure I had no voice yeah. at the end of it. it. It was just crazy. I mean, I loved every second of it, but. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to juggle. <laughs> I think the local vocal idea is brilliant and I think it really is going to bring together the community at a micro level and I think people need that. Yeah. But for people out there that are kind of on the fence, they've never been to Laugh or Sojam or Boss, we all know that it's a super special experience. What would you like people to know and why it's worth it to take that jump and come to at least one? Yeah, well, so in terms of, okay, so I'll, I'll start with local vocal and then I'll tell you for festivals. I think that for local vocal, um, one of the things that we're really cognizant of is that we don't want there to be a reason why people can't at least experience it for the first time. So whereas with festivals, you know, groups have to pay, they have to pay for all access passes. So, you know, you can't come to a festival without some sort of, you know, there's a submission process, especially if you're going to be trying to be in the competition. With local vocal, um, any groups who want to submit to perform, there is no submission You know, we wanted to make sure that people could just, who are interested, can apply. And we didn't want there to be any financial issue. That was the first thing. The second thing is that for for the showcases, we do sell tickets, but we are very conscious of keeping those prices low. So the tickets range anywhere from $10, $15, sometimes $20, depending on the city, which I think is um, like a really good price point um, for these events. So Local Vocal is really meant to be very accessible to the community because we're trying, you know, it's specifically meant for bringing that together. In terms of the festival space, obviously the festivals are a little trickier. We have so many costs associated with producing the event. I think that obviously we could be charging so much more for for these passes. But, you know, we are aware of who our demographic is. We know that a lot of students are coming to these events, but we can't, as much as I would love to be able to charge a little bit higher just to help offset our costs, we still want to make the prices accessible to students who are coming, which is why we haven't gotten above, I I mean, at least in the last, like, few years, we haven't gone above, like, $70, I think, for an all-access pass. And then, of course, we also offer special rates. You get your pass early. It'll be a discounted ticket. But in terms of the festivals, it is, if you've never 
never been to one, it is such an incredible opportunity for anybody who is, let's say, starting to get into acapella and wants to just kind of, you know, meet more people, educate themselves, learn of really incredible groups that they're they're not aware of. I think when you go to a festival, there's just so much that, I, you know, I think because especially for college, high school and college students, you're so contained to your little bubble, just your group, that when you go to a festival, it's so eye-opening because, number one, there are like so many groups that are just like you, and it, it can be really helpful for furthering your group and, and making your group the best it can be, whether that's from coming to our various workshops that go from arranging to solo delivery to vocal percussion to group management. There's so much, like, every basically, you can go to any class and it can really help your group in the long run. But then also just getting to see um, some incredible performances from, you know, the professional groups that we bring in from all over the world. You kind of realize, wow, like I didn't know acapella could be at that level. You know what I mean? And and for people who, you know, start to realize how much they love acapella and maybe want to continue on that path beyond college, there's something that you know that is attainable. Um, and I think that's really exciting as well. And then, you know, it's just like I really I do love it because it's you go to a festival and you're re- reuniting with people and it just feels like you're really just broadening your circle and I think that's really special and you learn best from meeting and learning from more people. So I would highly recommend people at least come to their first festival. Each of our festivals has its own little flavor, you know what I mean? But essentially the structure is all the same. They kind of include the same elements. It's just each one has its own little tang. (laughs) Yes. That's the word. I appreciate how much work goes into you keeping these programs alive. I know I have found so many of my best friends at these festivals and events, and I couldn't imagine this community without them. So thank you for running them and running them so well. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) And thank you for talking with us today. We are so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a fantastic podcast. I really like that you guys are doing this and creating a forum for women in vocal music to tell their stories. And there are opportunities for women in acapella. So I I would love to see more of that. Hi, everybody. This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And we are your hosts of Vocal Perspective. And on this segment today, we want to talk about festivals and how to make the most out of your time at a festival, because it takes a lot of planning to go to get yourself or your whole group to a festival. And there are a lot of options when you get there. And since Rachel and I have been to quite a few, we have a couple of tips and we want to talk about those. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is probably a good idea is look at the schedule ahead of time. Don't wait till you get there because there are different opportunities and you might be able to maximize your time by splitting up members of your group to going to different classes that are going on, different master classes or uh, different um, segments or I'm not sure what people call them, but they're called something different at every festival. Festivals want to have their own identity. So I wouldn't be surprised if like we saw like come to this banana this year. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. But you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with splitting up. Don't feel obligated to go to the same things as everyone in your group if you're going as a group because there are different things about that you can learn that are more important to different members of the group. Exactly. And you never know what somebody's going to come back with. Yes, you want your main arranger to go to the arrangement class. Uh, Sure. But, you know, maybe have some people that are thinking about arranging or haven't started or it's something that maybe they're interested in doing. Maybe have them go too. But yeah, definitely split up because, you know, as someone that used to plan these festivals and still sometimes do, we had for CASA, they have a specific 
education person that is curating these classes so that there is so much for you to learn. There's so much for your group to take home that usually there are, there's no bad classes at a festival that's done right. There's something for you to learn from everyone. And there's a lot of quote unquote experts that are often donating their time. And they're really just there to help you and give you some more, some new tools for your toolkit to take home and make it work for you. So yes, definitely try to not attend if you have the option to go with your group. Everyone go and everyone go and soak up as much as you can, even if that means you have to split up and maybe not spend the whole day together. Absolutely. On top of that, if you are going with your whole group or even most of your group, sign up for the coaching sessions. They're mm. called coaching sessions or master classes. Sign up for one because even if you feel like you're on the right track, you're always going to get a different perspective. And whether or not you choose to incorporate it in how you perform or operate after the class, it's always great to get an outside perspective. Totally. And, you yeah. know, sometimes you're going to end up with, you know, the best of the best. If you win the competition at a a festival, you get to pick which headliner you want to work with. Yeah. But don't be so focused on the name of who is coaching you. First of all, I have been in plenty of coaching sessions with the best of the best. And just because they're very good at what they do doesn't mean they're necessarily the best teachers. Um, yes, I think that's a fair. Some people like are really good at what they do, but they don't know how to explain what it is. They don't know how to apply it to a different group. That's not to say there aren't great headliners out there that are great teachers. There's a lot lot of them. And most of the time they are. But every once in a while, they might not be the best teacher. Right. Um, Try to pick a coach that is if you have the option of picking the coach, pick someone that has been in your shoes, Mm. um, that understands where you're coming from. And like at the same time, pick someone that's a complete opposite. You might get some great ideas from them too. So there's a lot to learn from any coach, even if it's what you don't want to do and what you don't like. No, that's definitely... And also, don't be afraid to work with your peers. Don't be afraid. Like if you get a coach that you like, especially for adult groups, like if you get a coach that's also in a group that's similar to yours, you're still going to get some great feedback because they really do get what you're doing. And they might not have the crazy amount of experience that some of the headliners do, but sometimes there's a different takeaway from that. So you're never going to walk away from a coaching session without something new to think about. Totally. I would say too that if you don't, if if there's a festival you want to go to, but for whatever reason, the majority or maybe even no one from your group can go to, I would say don't discount that. Attending a festival and going sort of on behalf of your group and learning all that you can and bringing it back to your group is absolutely worth doing. And I I wouldn't say that just because the group as a whole doesn't want to go doesn't mean that you shouldn't attend if you want to go. Exactly. I've done that a lot, especially with adults. Everyone has crazy schedules, families, work, and they can't often get to these festivals. But that didn't keep me from going. And I would learn a lot. I would meet new people because I wasn't there with my group. It forced me to be social with people, with other people. And oftentimes people I didn't know because a lot of people that I knew were there with their groups and I didn't always want to be like the third wheel (laughs) (laughs) or with their group all weekend. (laughs) Yeah. 13th wheel. Right. Um, Yeah, you know. But, you know, there's so much more that you can get out of it. And it's more about yourself. And oftentimes I would go to these festivals and come back to my group and I'd be super excited. And I would be able to spread that excitement to my group. But also they would get so excited about what I learned that oftentimes the next year they'd also want to join me or a couple of them would like to come with me. So there's lots of benefits to going 
alone. You miss out on those, you know, divide and conquer the classes and the master sure, classes. Of course. But you can also, a lot of these festivals have open master classes, or if you just talk to the instructor, the coach, and the group, would you be comfortable if I just sat in and observed? Yeah. You can do that and still get a lot of the same benefits. Totally. I think also um, something that to think about in terms of attending the festivals is to, I mean, I know in general, people who are performers aren't shy, but there are some who <laughs> are. And I would say do your best to talk to other people. I'll talk to other people that are there at the festival and learn as much as you can because it's an opportunity to be with people from all over who um, have different experience and different, you know, sort of opportunities and to the chance to learn from those people, whether they're the educators who are there or just the attendees. I've learned so much from just the people who are attending various festivals as I've learned from the people who are doing the teaching. And I would encourage you to reach out to the people, not be afraid to do that. And on a completely personal level, aside from learning from them, I have made so many friends at festivals. Totally. Because these people, you have something to jump off of. You all, you love the same thing. Yes. And you already have something in common. And I have made some of my best friends at these festivals. And it's come to the point where I have so many friends scattered all over the place. Like it's great when I can visit them or see them at another festival. I, Ellie Landau and I actually have a joke. We're like, where are we rendezvousing the next time? Like where in the world will I see Ellie? That's and awesome. It's, it's great. So I've made some of my best friends that way. And that's what makes the acapella community so special is because usually people are very open to that. And you're going to find somebody that you click with. Go to a couple of these festivals. And I guarantee you, if you put in some effort, you are going to find somebody that you click with. Absolutely. Well, that is a little bit about festivals. And we hope that the next time you go to your next favorite festival that you have an opportunity to learn and grow with some of these tips. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Vocal Perspective. We want to give one more thank you to Maroon Mogos for joining us this week. We hope you enjoy all of this year's festivals and we'll be back next Tuesday with episode 12.